genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one special lava department at a time. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. Do they get credited as being in the lava department? I, I don't think so. I think they're just part of special effects. Ah, uh, lava department. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today we're talking about Minute 218, which starts with the lava kind of belching out from the door of Mount Ooh, Doom and continuing a, to follow Sam and Frodo. That's a good verb. While they leap to another rock. Uh, and it ends with Frodo lying back first on said rock that they leap to. Yes. Wishing for the sweet release of death. And again, I have some very minor geography questions because it is uh, totally unclear where the door into the cracks of Doom was previous to this moment. And how they left to this rock. What? They are on a very sloped part of this, of the mountain now. Yeah. They had been previously, they had jumped to the left of the door of the Crack of Doom. Mm -hmm. Which was on a nice, flat, leveled off little space with the entranceway and the big, tall thing. Yeah. Which... There's no evidence of still existing in the surrounding shot of lava around them, which is fine. It's just a little thing that I noticed about this moment. It just kind of disappears. The cracks of doom? Yeah. Well, they get eaten up by the lava, right? But you should still be able to see, like, evidence of where this sort of greater platform was. Because they don't jump down to a lower platform. Right. They jump sidelong across. Yeah. And then they... And then they don't jump again. They run. I guess they just run? I don't know. Whoa, that's weird. I've never noticed that how it jumps from, like, them escaping and then the wide shot of the mountain. They must scramble down, like, in they the intervening, like, wide shot of oh, the mountain exploding, right? Because they get a they get pretty far. Yeah. They get pretty far down the mountain, unless the, um like, the plateau or whatever, the little platform, is, like, off-screen... To the upper left. Right, but that doesn't make sense with the blocking of them jumping to this rock. <laughs> because it's at the same level as where they just jumped from. When they when they well, jump. No, I'm, what I'm saying is, I think they scramble down the mountain while we're watching it explode. Like, we're not cutting from them jumping immediately out of the door. Like, they're, like, running for dear life while we are pulling back and watching the mountain explode. Maybe it just the the way that the scene is kind of blocked out and and edited, it just yeah, the it's way it's super cut, weird. The way it's cut together, it's it's pretty sus. Um, but like, can you tell we've been playing Among Us? Right. Um, My, mighty sus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I my my thing is they I think they just scramble down the mountain, and um, they find this big boulder. I guess so. It makes as much sense. That makes the most sense. Yeah. Just. It's just a thing I noticed just watching it now. Um, they jump to a rock at the same level, and then we kind of turn around the camera, and we see Mount Doom, and then right, they're at a, right. at a different right. yeah. looking spot they, entirely. They have to. They have to. Like, yeah. 
it doesn't make any sense otherwise. They have to have just kept going. And then they're just like, okay, the lava's going to overtake us. We need to find, like... We need, we need to find we need, somewhere to go. We need to find the high ground, Anakin. <laughs> um, I'm going to say the lava does not look great. It's, it's green screen. Because uh, the way that they did this lava... I think the lava itself looks fine when it's cut into and around the edges of where Frodo and Sam are. It really shows that it's not part of the scene. Yeah, I don't um I don't think it it just reminds me of um <laughs> So there's an <laughs> I'm gonna go on a tangent. Alright, that's fine. <laughs> there's an episode, a very famous episode of classic Doctor Who called Inferno. Ah, yes. And uh there are so many delightfully um cut in imi- like stock footage of of lava and and that's what this reminds me of right but those are actually that's actual footage of lava that's just cut in right yeah it's yeah it's stock footage this is they spent who knows how long in special effects research in pre-production trying to figure out how they were going to do this and ultimately what they did is they came up with with a solution that kind of looks like lava and flows in this really this kind of realistic way as far as how it spreads over stuff. And they built it inside of a table with all the rocky outcroppings as a model. Yeah. So they could put the camera on it and tilt it back and forth to get the lava flow at the speed they wanted for filming to put on a green screen. Oh, so this is a practical effect? Yeah. Mostly. There's some, there's digital touch up. Yeah. Uh, But they, they made a practical lava flowing table to film stuff for green screen. That's cool. Right? Like, I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's cool. I just don't think it's aged well. I don't think it's one of the things no, that has the, aged well about The green this. screen sticks out like crazy here. I, I mean, the wide shot of the mountain of the volcano erupting looks really cool. It looks yeah. badass. But, like, whenever they're, like, in, they're, like, in the river of lava, I don't think it looks good. I think it looks the worst when they jump to the rock at the be- very beginning of this minute. Oh, see, no, I, I'm not about, like, 12 seconds in where they're clambering onto the um, the outcropping here. And it's just kind of, like, flowing. It just, it looks... The scale of them looks wrong. That's part of what's wrong with this this frame, I, I think. I don't like... Like, it looks cool, but I it's not... Um, yeah, it, it's, not, it's not meshing well with the, the surroundings, I think. It's got kind of this like seventies aesthetic. Yeah, that's to why it. I'm. That's why I'm saying like it reminds me of that episode of Classic Doctor Who because that came out in like the seventies. And like even before that, but that might be intentional on Peter Jackson's part, at least a little bit, because he really likes like that old Clash of the Titans movie. But, well, I mean, the old Clash of the Titans movie is hokey, but it's like fun. Yeah. This isn't supposed to be hokey though. Like this is like our our protagonist might die. Right. We'll get there. We'll get there. So, like... But yeah, so this is, this is like, a lot of practical effects in this scene. Not just the lava. Yeah. The the rocks streaking through the air with fire on them. Uh-huh. They captured that effect by just taking lighting charcoal briquettes and, and throwing them? them across a oh black curtain. Oh, my God. Curtain That's metal. And throwing them across a black curtain so they could pull them out and drop them in on green screen. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so they're just hucking flaming charcoal briquettes. See, I think I think the process that they went through for this is really cool. I yeah. just don't think the effect has aged well. No, it hasn't. <laughs> you you can see all the edges around Frodo. Yeah. When he says it's gone. Yeah. Oh it's my done. god. Okay, so like, we're like, 
this whole week, I'm just like, oh my god, like, we're at the end of the movie. I know. We're almost there. It's gone. It's, it's done. done. Dude, I cannot wait to post that game. It's all, it's all over, Mr. Frodo. It's all over. Almost, Sam. Wow. Wow. Yep. Wowee. Not a whole lot really goes on in this minute. We get this moment of the beginning of this this longer moment of clarity and catharsis for Frodo. Mm-hmm. Just this finally being free of the ring and understanding everything he's just done. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I think is super interesting about uh, this section of the commentary in the cast commentary, and it's something that I think is interesting and worth talking about because we talk about how Frodo is a non-standard uh, hero in a lot of ways. Yeah. Is Elijah Wood talking about how he feels that the single most heroic, like the most heroic act that Frodo do- has in this story is not killing Gollum at the beginning of two to- beginning of two towers. His act of humility is his most heroic act his in act Elijah of, Wood's like, eyes. Mercy. Yeah. And ultimately, that one act is what allows the ring to be destroyed. Right. Well, I mean, that goes back to the um, <laughs> the the conversation with Gandalf in Moria. Right. It goes all the way back to to Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. So. Um. Say what you will about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, we we did at length. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, believe that episode is called the Great Fate Debate. Uh-huh. Uh huh. If anyone wants to go, yeah, dude, go re-listen uh, to that. Somebody like tagged us on Twitter recently because they had just found the podcast and they were listening to it, and they're just like, as a student of um, religious philosophy, philosophy, I wish I was like listening to this as it come came out because I have thoughts, and I was just like, ooh. ooh. So- <laughs> All right. But I don't know. It's cool that it's like our our dumb conversation, our dumb hour long conversation. I'm pretty sure that's, no, that's not the longest episode anymore. No, the um, longest episode is an episode about Eowyn. Literally. Yes. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but of course. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's cool that this, um, is still kind of timely. Um, that was like four years ago. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Or like three years ago. I don't know. Three and a half ish. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's. That's something that I, I genuinely, for the most part, agree uh, with Elijah Wood about, about mm-hmm. Frodo as a character, that he doesn't he doesn't do a lot actively in this story. Like, Frodo's traits that make him a hero are largely passive. Right. But that, it, that moment is one of the biggest moments of Frodo's agency in this story, is deciding not to kill Gollum, mm-hmm. and instead... Trying in some fashion to redeem him. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just cool that that one moment that that big moment of agency is the thing that carries through all the way to here. Yeah, well, I think it directly does is is influenced by that conversation with Gandalf because like, um, like Frodo says something about like yeah you know he's a pity Bilbo hadn't didn't kill, kill him, him when he had the yeah, chance yeah and um. You know, Gandalf saying, like, pity. you know, it was pity that stayed Bilbo's hand. And, like, sometimes, like, you know, you might be in the situation where this happens and, like, you have to yeah. make a choice and whatever. Right. Many die who deserve life. Many live who deserve death. Yeah. Can you give it to them, Frodo? <laughs> Can you? You talk a big game, little dude. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's really cool. I... 
I think it's important to underline that about Frodo. It, it can't be stated enough that the thing that makes Frodo interesting as a protagonist is how he's so different from typical fantasy heroes. Yeah. Even so many people that wrote stories clearly influenced by Lord of the Rings later, that's not the kind of hero they took from the story. Right. It's like they the took Aragorn. Aragorn. <laughs> rather than Frodo. Uh-huh. Or even Sam. Yeah. Sam is very much the, is 100% the unlikely hero of the story. Oh, yes, yes. But I think, like, this this story is full of unlikely heroes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, its core theme is about unlikely heroes. Right, especially the, I mean, because with the four hobbits, mm-hmm. like, that's obvious. But I think um, with the movie interpretation of, because um, Aragorn in the book is just like, oh, I've, you know, I, can, I just can't wait to be a king. Like, you right. know. <laughs> right. Cue the music. Yeah. I, uh. Legolas' backup. <laughs> oh Elrond is Zazu in that <laughs> the song. This is cursed and I hate that I brought it into existence. Um, just Viggo Mortensen and you go weaving I don't, singing. No. I just can't wait nope, to be king. I don't want that. Uh, <laughs> forget, no? forget I said anything. How about you go weaving singing not, the morning report? This is not the content you are looking for. No? No. You go weaving singing the morning Norman. report. Norman! Just delivering animal I, puns. Oh my god. <laughs> Let me finish my thought okay. before it flutters out the window. You got it. Never to be seen again. Holy crap. Okay, so... Oh, god damn it. What was I talking about? Aragorn just wants to be king. No! Book. Okay, in yes. The book. <laughs> yes. So... In the movie, this movie is full of unlikely heroes, in my opinion, because, like, Aragorn um, is, well, I guess not unlikely, but, like, reluctant. Um, uh, I guess it's, I don't know. I forget where I was going with this. I'm so mad. Sorry. (sighs) Well, Aragorn has more of a character arc in the movie than the book. Yeah. Because they made him a reluctant hero. Like, they made that choice to make Aragorn more interesting as a protagonist to carry so much more movie time. Right. So that he has uh, traceable growth outside of his kind of moments of humility in Return of the King in the book. When he's just like, no, I will not take the throne until they ask me to. Right, yeah. It's like, but you spent this entire book saying, I am the rightful king of Gondor and carrying around Narsil. Yeah. Look at my big ass sword. Look at this broken blade. I'm carrying at my hip. It is my birthright. <laughs> but yeah, so they they made all these choices in the adaptation that ultimately just work way better for a movie. Yeah, because like I mean, Tolkien's focus in the books um, is the hobbits. Like, yeah, by and large, I think. Um, like Aragorn, Aragorn's there as a supporting character. Like yeah. he. And and kind of like to fulfill this whole like this role in mythology of like this very virtuous um hero right. figure. Uh, or like king even, you know? Right. And ultimately a lot of the a lot of the Aragorn stuff has more to do with with world building and theming. Yeah. And just kind of greater things at play as opposed to what the the heart of this narrative is about as opposed to like him being a character no yeah i mean like he is a character yeah. but you know what i mean yeah because a lot of the the rohan stuff that's largely it's, it's a lot of world building and yeah trying to get the point across to 
certain parts of the themes that wouldn't really work with the hobbits alone. Yeah, I feel like Aragorn, I just remembered the word that I wanted to use. That's succinct. Um, I feel like Aragorn's more of an archetype in the books than he, than like a character, if that makes sense. Mm. Like he, he, he just slots into a role more. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, it's intended to be a mythology. So like, I, I think the goal there was to have it be more of an archetype instead of a um like a person mm. frodo i mean frodo doesn't have a whole lot of um personality or or goals really either as a I, character i mean he's he's a bit he's a he's a bit carte blanche in that way i don't know i feel like the hobbits are more fleshed out than the other members of the fellowship Mary and Pippin and Sam definitely all are. I don't know. I I still think like we get a lot of stuff from inside Frodo's head. Yeah. But it's so it's so consumed by the ring and Frodo's desire is just for most of it is I just want to li- live a normal Hobbit life. Which is at well that's the point. Like yeah. that's the point of the story that he's telling. Yeah. His goals like Frodo's goals are all in like like all the Hobbits. Uh, but but differently is are all like kind of painfully mundane, if you. But that's the point. Yeah, like the point. But it makes it more of a blank slate for you to kind of insert your own kind of different feelings into the story when you're reading the are book. You, are you saying Frodo's a self-insert OC? A little bit. <laughs> there are there are tinges of that in his characterization in the book. I think. I don't know because I don't know that I agree with that. Um, I think. I think Aragorn is more of a self-insert, like, OC. I mean, Faramir was Tolkien's self-insert That's OC. That's true. Hey, this warrior lady needs a boyfriend. Right? <laughs> Might as well be me. I thought, um, I thought Baron was his self-insert OC. Well, I mean, I think he wrote the story of Baron and Luthien, um, before that. Like, the, the all the Silmarillion stuff pretty much started... Uh, started when he was writing stuff down during World War One, yeah, and before the and Baron and Luthien is what is on uh, his and his wife's right. his wife's grave, right? But I think that's because that's just the epic love story he wrote first. That's legit. And Faramir is kind of explicitly his self insert OC. <laughs> Honestly, I would have made it Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Just screwing around in the forest. Oh, what's this? Just like flipping the ring like a coin. Right. And Treebeard <laughs> is supposed to be C.S. Lewis, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Because he speaks so slow and takes forever to, <laughs> to decide. Yeah. It takes forever to do anything. <laughs> what? You don't like my description of trees? I'll just make you into a tree. <laughs> right. I'll spend four pages describing you as a tree. <laughs> How about that? What an epic friendship. Oh, my God. Dude, I aspire to Frenemies. that. Frenemies. I aspire to that level right. <laughs> of pettiness you said bad things about my elves i'm gonna turn you into a tree (laughs) yeah oh my god that's the best (laughs) the but yeah so frodo like because so much of his personality is overwritten by the ring across the story there's there's a lot of places for you to kind of read your own feelings about what's going on around frodo Mm. into that story and i think that's very much intentional Mm. because it makes it, it makes anything that happens to Frodo more relatable to the reader. I guess. I don't know. I mean, that's the purpose of 
that that's the purpose of like first person, like relatively bland characterization. Oh, I have read my fair share of YA novels, Norman. I know, but like, <laughs> it's to make you connect in a way that doesn't re- like. I um, and I'm not gonna say it doesn't require a lot of work because I know it's not exact. It's not necessarily easy to write that way to do it well in first person, or in, in a way that uh, causes like that kind of self insert connection. Like it 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 can be done really lazily and poorly. But it can also be Twilight. done. <laughs> but it can also be done well. Um, I don't necessarily. Now that we're talking about first-person narration, I don't like first-person narration. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't. They're not. I don't. There isn't even really any first-person narration in Lord of the Rings. No, no, it's all. Um, it's it's, it's all like third-person semi-omniscient narrator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in places, it's kind of omniscient, and in places, it's kind of not. Yeah. Um. It also switches like points of view a lot, so like yeah. it's not from like one person, one character's point of view. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't give give me a fully fleshed out character. I will relate to them on some level. I don't have mm. to relate the whole way. Right. Um, I am interested in in like, I'm interested in character in stories. And characters, um, not as like, I don't know, like when I'm reading fantasy in particular, I do not want to be in the story. I want to like that. That was for like high school (laughs) (laughs) when I wrote (laughs) so much. Um, Oh, no, we're falling in through a portal and now we're in Lord of the Rings. Right. yeah. But now, like, I'm not interested in experiencing the story as if I am there. I'm interested in experiencing these, like, and, like, growing to love these characters outside of myself. Yeah. If that makes sense. So, like... Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I, I feel like, like, first-person narration makes it more accessible, sure. Um, But that's just not my thing. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I don't like writing in it anymore. I don't like really reading it much. Like, I will, but it's not my favorite thing in the world. That's fair. Third Person Limited is where it's at. Then you get In like, my opinion. Th- then you get weird second person narratives. I actually really like writing in second person. It's mm. interesting. It's like a really, it's a, it's an exercise in like. There's a puzzle here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a, a little exercise in, um point of view yeah second person has always just been really fascinating to me and i don't know if i've ever really read anything long form that uses it well there are um plenty of uh reader slash whoever fix on the internet norman I i don't know if i want that i don't know if i want that if you would like some second person reading but is there is there uh like a 700 page novel somewhere written in second I person. I don't know. Maybe. I'm. If anyone knows of one, I'm curious because I want to know. I don't know that it would be fantasy. I'm curious if there is. Like, fantasy is a thing I'm curious specifically if there is. Fanfic. That's isekai. Like, that's that's an anime genre. No, I know. Um, I'm sure there's a. There's a whole bunch of. I'm sure there's a bunch of anime light novels that are that are, are written that way for. For isekai stuff. Hey, man. The... I'm curious about Western fantasy written in second person. Yeah. Uh, fanfic. Other than that. Why? 
I'm, I'm curious about... It I'm doesn't cur- have to be sexy. Well, no, I'm, I'm curious if there's any, like, big publisher published oh, novel in second person. I don't know. I think that would be really challenging. Yeah, I do too. I Keeping it up for that long in a in a story, I'm curious how it all kind of all fits together. If any, if anyone listening knows of anything, I'm I'm curious. I I'm genuinely curious how something like that turns out. Just read fanfic, man. I'm telling you, there's a slew of it. I promise. I know there is. <laughs> I want. I once perused fanfiction.net. Oh, dude, no fanfiction.net. That's that's in the dark ages. We're oh. in AO3 now. <laughs> right? <laughs> Back in the We're living in the future. <laughs> Back all the way to to 14-year-old me finding fan oh, fiction good Lord. for the first time. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Way back when I was still playing Neopets. Neopets and I never, RuneScape. I never played Neopets or RuneScape. Playing RuneScape and Neopets and Gaia online and <laughs> and reading fan fiction. Dude Circa 2002. A simpler time. It's a very, very different time in everyone's lives. More than half my life ago. What are we talking about? I don't know. This movie? There's a a few particular lines tomorrow that are going to be really interesting to talk about. Yeah. Uh, But for the most part, I think notes on this, this minute are kind of, kind of exhausted. Much as Frodo Frodo is, is. as he, as he lies down on this rock. Yeah. Frodo, Frodo is beat. Yes, you can see his um, like scab. It's gone. Ugh. It's done. Yeah, dude. Ugh. The catharsis, though. Okay, like doing this minute by minute and having this be like thirty minutes before the end. From our perspective, I mean, like you know, the movie needs to wrap. Right. This up. is six six weeks from us being done, or five weeks from us being done. This is such a tease. Like, <laughs> oh, oh! Just wait till the end of tomorrow's minute. Yay! Oh my God! Do we get our first ending? Um. Oh no! It's, it's. I think it's, it's right I at the beginning Friday. of Friday. It's right at the beginning of Friday. Hell yes, dude. Okay, yes, I'm excited. But uh, yeah. To tomorrow we get um. Tomorrow is for tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. More painful line splitting. Oh really? Yeah. Oh boo! Oh well. But we're from the website DuelingGenre.com. Yes, indeed we are. <laughs> <laughs> Where you can find some other Dueling Genre Movies by Minutes podcasts. Harry Potter Minute, Spider-Man Minute, Back to the Future Minute, Jay and Silent Bob Minute. Back to the Future Minute is either just or, uh, I think, just? Yeah. Um, they just celebrated their five-year anniversary, so they are re- they, re- they released a... Um, a surprise commentary track. I think that's this week. I hope that's this week. So, <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Oops. Um, um, but yeah, so if you listen to that and you unsubscribed, uh, they have a little a little movie commentary um, they've released for their, their five-year anniversary. Nice. I can't believe that was five years ago they started this nonsense. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, go, go check out all the other Dueling Genre Movies by Minutes shows, and we'll be back tomorrow to keep talking about Sam and Frodo and this lava flow. Yes. Bye. Bye.